going to finish up this sermon series today. How's your walk? We've been asking a question uh, that we've just really wanted people to answer personally. Uh, how's your walk with God? How are you getting on with them? We looked at different aspects and asked different questions. So who are you walking with? Where are you walking? And so the question we're going to ask today, and it really follows on uh, from what Reese looked at last week in Ephesians 5, when we looked at walking in love and walking as children of the light, because Paul goes on in Ephesians 5 to encourage us to walk wisely. Uh, and so we're going to look at this this morning. So just to give you some uh, a definition, really, of what we're talking about when we talk about wisdom, when we talk about being wise. So uh, some, uh, some definitions for you. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It is the capacity to make the right decision based on that knowledge. Uh, that's the first definition. The second definition we see in the Old Testament is the meaning of the word was skill. The wise person had the skill to live properly. Uh, it could be said of this, that wisdom is the difference between knowing what is a good decision to make and what is the right decision to make. Not necessarily the decision between right and wrong, but the decision between what is right uh, and, and what is good. And so the Old Testament, the wise person had the skill uh, to take the knowledge that he possessed or he'd acquired and to use that to live uh, properly. And so to be wise, we must understand it's not about intellect. It means understanding how God's word fits into the world and living appropriately to that. Uh, the culture, the world we live in, live in changes so often what people think is important one day is not necessarily important the next day. The word of God is consistent all the way through uh, culture. It's all the way consistent down through the ages. Of wisdom is applying this timeless knowledge of the Bible and using it in the world that we live in today. So in a sense, as Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians as well, that we're simply not blown about by every shifting wind of doctrine or new knowledge that comes along and so what helps us to live wisely is to know uh, how God's word fits into the world that, that we live in today he says uh, a quote that really helps us here it, it personally uh, for this and with this I finish is this the man or woman who knows God privately will always make wise decisions publicly says the Bible has a huge amount to say about wisdom uh, through the Old Testament, the New Testament, about the way that, that we live. And I was challenged by that thought. The man or woman who knows God privately will always make wise decisions publicly. So in Ephesians 5, for verse 15, it says this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another in the fear of god as we said last week ephesians is a letter that's written to the church it's written to the born again believers it's not a letter that's written to the unsaved people it's 
written to the church. And so it's a challenge all the way through the letter to the Ephesians. And in these six verses, we see that is, there is some contrast. There are things that are compared, uh, some things that are wise to do and some things that are not wise to do. Let me give you the example. Uh, first thing it says is it tells them to don't walk foolishly, but the contrast is to walk wisely. Redeem the time. The alternative to that is to make the most of every opportunity. Don't be unwise, but the contrast is understand what God's will is, the will of God is. And then finally it says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now the version I read uh, the, it opened up with the word circumspectly and you wonder, well, well, we don't really use that word anymore, but it fits in really with what the passage is really saying, because it, it simply means to walk continuously, uh, sensitively as a person would walk through thorny terrain, that if you were walking somewhere through um, where there was thorny bushes, maybe you had shorts on or, or your legs were uncovered or for whatever reason, you would walk carefully because you don't want to get stung and you don't want to uh, get cut. But the, the word also means this, to walk with accuracy and precision, which simply means Paul is telling them to make wise choices. Make wise choices in your walk. And asking the question, are you walking wisely? The answer to that really is, am I making wise choices in everything that I do? You see, often we confuse the Christian life because we think, and it is about this sometimes, but not all the time, that it's not about having big goals, large dreams and amazing plans. It's actually about the detail. It's about walking consistently. It's about walking constantly. It's about keeping your walk right with the right choices that you make when it comes to your faith. You know, see, in our walk, we are called to be uh, faithful, not necessarily successful. Uh, for faithfulness is what God has asked us to do in the things that he's called us to do. And what I've discovered and what the Bible teaches is that faithfulness uh, leads to fruitfulness, not necessarily success. And the danger is today, unfortunately, sometimes is we have to be careful we're not preaching a message all the time uh, that the God will fulfill all of your dreams that the God will uh, lead you to an amazing destiny and God has amazing plans for your life and stop there it says we must continue on because to achieve anything that we need to achieve for what God has called us to do there is that consistent persevering walk of faith that God has called us to do which we mentioned way back in week one and as we begin to walk wisely, we realise some things that Paul helps us here with. He, he, he tells us that time really plays a huge part in how we walk. Uh, it, it is his quote. I've said this many, many times. It's awful because I've, I've said it practically at every funeral I've ever done. And so I'm bringing it here this morning. I know you might think, well, that's not very cheerful to, to bring to you this morning, but it's a great quote. But it's not a funeral this morning, so you'll understand. Uh, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. There are two words for time in the original Greek language. The first one is this, is time as we measure. If I said to you, what's the time uh, at the moment? It, it, uh, it, it's 10.49. It says, we measure time, don't we? We know there's a certain time that we will do things. And so 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
there is another word for time in the original Greek, and it means a, a, a definite portion of time, a time where something should happen, almost like an appointment. You know, if you have a doctor's appointment, not that we get those anymore, but if you get a doctor's appointment and it's 10.50, you know, and that's the time of your appointment, if you turn up at 2.50 and say, I'm here for my appointment, you've missed it. You might be in the right place, uh, seeing the right person, but it's the wrong time. And so that is what the second meaning of it was. And that's really what the meaning Paul means here. It's an appointed time. It's that second meaning of it that is an appointed time, a portion of time, a time where something should happen. It's almost like the difference between time and the time. And see, in redeeming the time, the idea is, is there is a definite season of opportunity that, that we must redeem. The same word is used for opportunity in Galatians 6, verse 10, when Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those who are the household of faith. Again, it's that word that there is an appointed time. There is a time for an opportunity to do something right. And that's the word that you is here. It's not, not to make the most of time. I've done people and uh, I've read the, the, the leadership books and the time management books and all those books that tell you how to get 27 hours in your day and get up and go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning and, and do all of these things that, that I just couldn't do. Neither could most of you, but to be fair, that's what they do. They tell you this is time management. And so that's not what the word means here. It's not about making the most of, of time in a sense uh, if I can rush here and I can rush there and I can squeeze this in there and I can have seven spare minutes there to do this task and stuff some of those things are important but it's not the meaning of the word here Paul is talking about an appointed time in our walk a limited time in our walk where we redeem the time by making wise choices you see redeeming the time carries the thought of buying up opportunities like a shrewd businessman and really to sum this part up we see this the word redeem implies a cost you must say no to that which you think is important and yes to that which god says is essential he says often sometimes a difference between our agenda and God's agenda is what we think is important and essential and often it's the wrong way around. He says we can find the time often to do many, many different things um, but we, that we think are important but they're not necessarily essential. And then God calls us to those things that are essential because that's what Paul is saying here to the church when he talks about their walk. He says, walk accurately, walk carefully, walk and make wise choices. Why? Because there was a limited amount of time. And we have to redeem the time, buy back the time by doing those things that are important. Uh, sorry, doing those things that are essential, uh, not just important. They said somebody wrote this about time. They said, imagine there was a bank account, credits your account each morning with £86,400. It carries over no balance from day to day. Early evening, every evening, sorry, the bank simply deletes whatever part of the balance you failed to use. What would you do? Well, if somebody put that amount of money in our bank every day and we lost it at the end of the day, we would withdraw it all out, wouldn't we? We would take it all out for fear of losing it. 
And we have such a bank, the name is Time. Every morning it credits us with 86,400 seconds. Every night it writes off as lost whatever of you have a, you've failed to invest in a good purpose. Carries over no balance, there's no overdraft. Each day it opens a new account of time for you. Each night it burns the remains of the day. If you fail to use the day's deposit, the loss is yours. There is no, I'll carry it over to tomorrow, carry it over to the next day. So the clock is running, so we have to make the most of the time. So to realize the value of one year, let's ask a student who failed a grade and has to resit the year. To realize, realize the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the child who sits patiently waiting for Christmas. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who has just missed a train. To realize the value of one second, ask someone who just avoided an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person who won a silver medal at the Olympics. To almost like treasure every moment you have. He says, treasure it more because you've shared it with someone special, special enough to spend your time with. And simply, this time waits for no one. That's why Paul is simply saying here, he's saying, you've got to redeem the time because there won't always be the time. And so we redeem the time in our walk. We often don't have the time, we say, but the reality is we do. We say we can make time, but that's impossible when you think about it. Nobody can make time. We move things about, and the reality is people will, did, uh, uh, people will give their time to what their priorities in their life. Every one of us will do that. But Paul gives us the reason here. He gives us the challenge here. He says, because the days are evil. Matthew 24, verse 10 to 13 says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's why he's talking about those days at the moment. Why? Because people's love for their saviour is growing cold. He says people's love for their church comes second place to other things that they're doing. It's not a criticism, it's an observation. And Paul writes it here to the church because they're so devoted to all the other things that are going on, they're actually missing out actually on those things which are absolutely essential, which God calls us to do in our walk with him. Uh, and so we come here and we see this and, and you see, we, we see as we move on to really the next part of it, that to navigate in our walk through life, we have to understand some things. In Paul's day, you didn't walk for exercise, you walked to a destination with three things that you needed. But because at the time he's writing, you either walked or you got a camel or a donkey. That was the way uh, you, you walked. So nobody really said, Let, let's go out for a walk. Let's, let's go for a walk. It's a nice day. It's sunny. Where they were, it was always sunny. 
uh, and so let's go for a walk. So, so they understood that if you were walking, you were walking to a destination. You were going from one place to another place. And so in summing up our whole series of these last eight weeks, uh, really this helps us to understand that there were three things you needed to go on this walk and three things that really help us in the walk that we're going on that answers that question of how's your walk. The first one is this, is you must know the direction you were going. You must know the direction that you are going. There's no point just saying, I'm going to walk this way, that way. You must know the direction that you are going. Where are you walking? It, it can, be, can be simply uh, translated is how are you living? That's really the translation. Walk and live in the New Testament was very similar in the words that they used. We said this in the first week. So you must know the direction you were going. It says you've got to have that direction. Where am I going in my walk? The second thing you must have is this, and we'll touch on this in a second, is you must have a source of energy. You must be a level of, uh, you must have a, one, a level of fitness or, or something that, that resupplies you with energy on the journey that you're going on. Uh, when I was a young man of 14, the World Cup was on in 1986. Uh, World Cup England should have won except for Maradona. But the weekend that England played Argentina, I was doing my Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award and you went to uh, where you lived in Birmingham, there's no, no hills in Birmingham, I was five years old before I saw a beach. Uh, uh, so it was the middle of the inner city. So you had to go to a place called Shropshire. Uh, and so Shropshire had a lot of hills and part of your Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award is you had to walk for 35 miles. Now, I would struggle to drive 35 miles today, but I had to walk for 35 miles over a weekend um, and with a rucksack on your back, uh, and it was heavy. And so the four of us set off and we, we did this walk and at different points on the journey, we had to stop to, to eat Mars bars and, and back then there was only one flavour of Lucasade and you know, it was the one with the plastic round the bottle, the one you got when you were ill, didn't matter what you had wrong with you, that one, broke your leg, there's a Lucasade, that sort of thing. So that's what you carried with you because you, you needed that source of energy to get you through the walk. Now what made it worse? was not that we got knocked out of the World Cup by Argentina, but it was a roasting hot weekend. And one of the pe pe people I was working with, a friend of mine, because uh, 14 uh, at the time, and uh, he hadn't drunk enough on the, the walk, and so he began to dehydrate, and eventually he collapsed. Uh, and so because he hadn't resupplied, he hadn't simply drunk enough water and things like that on the, on the journey. And it made me think, uh, you know, you wonder why I'm sharing this, it was probably the last time I walked anywhere of any distance was 1986. So I thought it was a good illustration to share with you. But it does teach us this. It says, whatever walk we go on, there must be points that we are resupplying ourselves with a source of energy. Uh, and the source of energy that Paul gives us in this passage is simply this, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. We're coming on to just as we do the, the third one. We say, you must have a map for a destination. It's not enough knowing the direction that you're going, you must have a destination as well. And so Paul sums it up by telling the church to understand simply, simply what, what's God's will? What's God's will here? You see, your understanding of the will of God comes from a good knowledge 
of the word of God. It gives you direction, energy, and destination. It says you will not have no understanding of the will of God or God's will for your life if you do not have a good knowledge of the word of God. For it is within the word of God, the will of God is contained. He said it's not something that's outside of the word of God. And so Paul wants them to understand what the will of God is. You see, a popular thought in churches today is simply that God, all God wants to do is help you fulfill your dreams. But the theology behind that is backwards. Because it simply leaves the Lord, it simply leaves us as the Lord of our lives. That actually God is somehow a cosmic Father Christmas that bends to our every need and whim. And when things don't work out, we tend to blame God because he hasn't made our dreams come true. And the danger that we have is this, it's the other way around. Because Ephesians teaches us that God is sovereign and we are his servants and we exist to fulfill his will. And if you do it that way around, you will understand in your walk how important it is to be faithful rather than successful. Because faithful will help us to be consistent and constant in everything that we do. And so Paul moves on here. I'm going to skip this skip the next few because of, of time and stuff that, that we, we move on and the final contrast that Paul gives is don't get drunk on wine but be filled with the spirit now the danger that when we've read this and I've heard this from different people over the years uh, the feeling of being drunk must be the same of the feeling of being filled with the spirit it's not let's clear that up from the beginning so those people sometimes that use it as an excuse uh, to do very strange things sometimes it says it is just an excuse to do that the contrast is not that the contrast is instead of being drunk be filled with the spirit that's not what Paul is saying Paul is simply contrasting Contrasting the effect of the Holy Spirit filling you up with the state of drunkenness. Why? Because in Ephesians, in Ephesus, the city, that's all people did. That's all people were known for. They were known for their debauchery and their drunkenness uh, and, and their, their lifestyle that, that simply just wasn't particularly uh, engrossing for. That when, when they got saved, there had to be a clear cut. There had to be a before and after. And the argument that we're not making here, we're not making an argument about alcohol here. We're not, we're not doing that this morning. What we're saying is this, it's a contrast. It's one to another. It says Paul's main message here is church be filled with the spirit. That's what his main message is. That's what he's saying to the church. You see, because being filled with the spirit is not a one-time event. It means here to be constantly filled as we walk daily, asking to be filled and receiving that filling by faith. So what I'm really saying is this is going back to the step where we talked about the source of energy that we we needed for our walk this is the source of energy it's being filled with the spirit it's not a one-time event that happens to us at the beginning of our christian walk and we live off that for the rest of our days the meaning of the word here is a constant filling and not a one-time event not something it's a constant filling if you want to walk wisely if you want to make the right choices it says it is all tied with being 
filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you take that with the understanding what God's will is, which you discover in his word, you see God has presented us with the tools and the resources that we need, not only to walk well, but to walk wisely as well. You see, the thing with being filled is this, it's first, it's not a manufactured experience that we can drum up, uh, that we simply, it's tied to understanding the will of God by time spent in the word of God. I've said this before and I hold fast to it. He says, being filled with the spirit and touched by God will cause me to, to pray more, to serve more, to love more, to read my word more, to, to, to have the right attitude, all of those things. Not necessarily just to sense something or feel something that somehow helps me in the journey that I go through in my Christian walk. No, I says I do believe that when we tie it all together, that actually being filled with the Spirit, not a manufactured experience, but it helps us to understand the will of God, which is tied up with time spent in the Word of God. And so the second thing we see, that is not an optional experience, which means that some receive it or that if we are filled, well, that's nice, that, that's lovely that they got it. No, actually, it's for everybody. It says you cannot walk wisely. You cannot walk in the direction that God wants you to go. You cannot walk to the destination God wants you to go without being filled with the Spirit, without being filled. And so it's imperative, essential, that as we walk wisely, we are filled with God's Holy Spirit. So we move out away from that, not manufactured and not optional, to say at the end of these eight weeks, and actually to walk wisely is this. It says we make right choices, but how do we make right choices? We make right choices by understanding what the will of God is. Well, how do we discover what the will of God is? Well, we read the Word of God. And when we read the Word of God, the, 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 the Holy Spirit... He, he, he illuminates, he, he not only just imparts into us the word of God, he illuminates the word of God. It's not just a case of be sitting there and waiting to get powers out from heaven. It's almost like there's something that God is doing because I'm following the pattern that Paul is writing here as he writes to the Ephesians. He says, this is being filled with the Spirit. He says, make wise choices. How do I make wise choices? I understand what God's will is. Well, where do I find out what God's will is? Well, I read the Word of God. Well, how do I get that into there? Well, the Spirit imparts it and illuminates it and helps me to walk wisely. And it gives us at the end just in these last couple of minutes what's the fruit of being filled well first one it says the speaking to one another or simply the, the encouraging to one another you know and it says to us we can speak in harms uh, sorry psalms hymns uh, and spiritual songs he says we can sing to God he said you know we might not all be able to sing and, and, and I love this this quote it's one of my favorites you'll understand why because I'm tone deaf and I can't sing he says, we don't have to be able to sing, but we all have a song. I love that. We all have a song. I'm not going to sing one now, but you must understand, we don't all have to be able to sing. But what God does in our life causes all of us to have a song. And he says, and we've heard that already through the team and what Stephen said, to, said at the table. And the third thing it tells us that we have gratitude always for all things in our walk. He simply says, this is, this is what you do for your thankfulness. You see, if, if, if you make wise choices and you understand what God's will is 
and you're in the word of God and you're filled with the spirit, there can only be one thing that happens within you. You're filled with thankfulness and gratitude. Regardless of what's going on out there, regardless of what's going on around us, if those four things are happening to us, where we make the wise choices, we understand what God's will is, we're in the word and filled with the spirit, the only thing I can do is be thankful. I don't have anything else. The only thing I can do is express my gratitude to what God has done for me and who he is. And then we see the fourth thing that it says. It says submitting to one another. But that's a whole other sermon. I will not ruin this sermon with that thought, okay? It says, but those things there, and finishing with this final thought, to walk wisely, you must know who God wants you to be, what God wants you to do, what dangers to avoid, and how to use every opportunity that he gives you. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, your word still speaks to us today by your spirit. The Father, the truth that we see what Paul shares with the church there in Ephesus is this, to make wise choices, understand what your will is, discover it in your word, be filled with the spirit. And we can only be thankful and Father, regardless of the circumstances and situations of all of us in church today, or any of us watching today, Father, our hearts are filled with gratitude. Our hearts are filled with thankfulness today for all you have done for us, for all that you are. And on our walk with you, we know that you not only lead us, but accompany us and support us and walk beside us. And wherever we are in our journey, Father, you are there for us. And Father, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' wonderful name.